IT managers, uh, law enforcement managers really need to start researching companies that are going to provide them with solutions that are NIBRS compliant, that are configurable, and that they truly meet the needs of the modern day law enforcement officer. I think if they can start doing that, start doing the research and really take a good look at those solutions that are out there, they'll be helping out not only their staff, but they'll be helping out the people that they protect on a daily basis. From Tyler Technologies, it's the Tyler Tech Podcast, where we talk about issues facing communities today and highlight the people, places, and technology making a difference. I'm Jeff Harrell. I'm your host. I'm also the Director of Content Marketing for Tyler Technologies, and I'm glad that you've joined me. Well, today we are diving in and looking very closely at public safety. It's interesting that at every level of government, there are now mandates surrounding law enforcement to move from what they call uniform crime reporting to incident-based reporting. What does that mean? We're going to dive into that a little bit, but moving from one form of reporting to another is stressful in any situation, but in a career where mission criticality is of the utmost importance, utilizing technology solutions can make this transition easier and better for all involved. In this episode, we're going to hear from several different industry experts on how to best tackle these reporting mandates. And this is new ground for the Tyler Technology. We actually have three guests on this week, three experts, Clark Nethers, Adam Babola, and Skip Bland, all from Tyler Technologies, experts in this space, all former law enforcement officers. You're going to hear from them. They're going to introduce themselves This is a really interesting topic. I learned a lot listening to this. So without further ado, let's dive in. Well, fellas, I'm excited. We are breaking new ground today. I've never had three guests on at the same time. This is very exciting. So what I wanted to do is start out, don't usually do this, but have you guys introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your background. And Skip, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with you. For sure. Thank you, guys. Uh, this is Skip Bland. I'm uh, one of the uh, subject matter experts at uh, Tyler Federal. Spent uh, 15 years with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations doing uh, a myriad of investigations, counter-narcotics, counter-smuggling, counter-intelligence. So kind of a, a mixed bag of things. What about you, Adam? Thank you, Adam Babola. I'm with New World Public Safety. I've been with New World for the past 10 years. For the past nine, I worked in a part-time capacity at a a local law enforcement agency in Michigan. Prior to that, I was full-time for about four. So total about 13 years in law enforcement. Excited, happy to be here. Awesome. And what about you, Clark? I'm an implementation consultant, the senior implementation consultant for INCO Public Safety. My market is small to medium-sized departments. And uh, I have got 22 years of law enforcement experience. And when I uh, retired from law enforcement, I got recruited to come to Tyler and uh, implement projects for agencies of similar size to the small market uh, entities. I feel very safe with you three. I, I don't know why, but <laughs> I feel very safe, right? a safe place. Well, I wanted to start out because we like in this podcast to start with, you know, what problem are we looking at? What problem are we trying to solve? And Clark, I'll, I'll turn to you. What, what is the issue here? And, and maybe define some of the terms we'll be talking about. In law enforcement in the U.S. today, we're transcending with uh, reporting requirements that the FBI has. Um, Traditionally, since early 70s, 
agencies have been doing summary reporting under the Uniform Crime Reporting, also known as a UCR reporting standard. The FBI is migrating all law enforcement entities across the country to a new standard called incident-based reporting or uh, NIBRS, National Incident-Based Reporting. And with that requirement and the, the FBI has set deadlines for this to get all entities to use this new standard, which is a little bit more specific, but it allows statistically to have better across the board statistics matching offenses between states and agencies across the country and make it easier to pull out statistics. So that is the issue that law enforcement entities across the country are having to deal with is this transition because uh, the differences between what summary reporting under the uh, UCR standard was and what the NIBRS, in, uh, National Incident-Based Reporting, is, is significantly different. And like any other statistical reporting, depending on how you look at the numbers, it could inflate or it could deflate what your, your statistics are like. So what agencies are struggling with of all kinds in law enforcement is how do we implement this solution? At Tyler, and I'm speaking for the small market and medium market entities, that we have a solution that is very intuitive, that um, allows an entity to be able to fulfill the requirements for NIBR reporting and do it intuitively that a field police officer does not have to be a subject matter expert in NIBR reporting. They can just do what it is that they do in their normal course of business and behind the scenes, the software does all the management of that reporting and allows the department's subject matter expert in NIBR reporting communicate that data on to the state. So we, we're trying and do uh, provide a very concise, uh, intuitive interface for those entities. Adam, I'd love to ask you with your experience in law enforcement, this change in mandate, is, is this a good thing for officers? It is. It, it's a good thing because you're getting more detailed uh, information that you're submitting. I guess, depending on who you ask, now you say, is it a good thing for officers? Uh, I think it is because I think it allows more information on what crimes are happening. But I think more so the higher ups, the the chiefs, the, you know, the conversations that I've taken part in, the chiefs really want to see what's happening, you know, whether it's a, a city, a township, a county, a state, you know, they want to see what's happening in certain locations and where crimes are happening. And it allows kind of a the higher ups or the, it allows them to see more information on what's happening in those cities. I wanted to add between the local agency and the uh, county state level agencies, because that it is a standard, you could compare a local agency and say a small agency in Texas to a major agency in another state. And they're comparing apples to apples, local yeah. offenses, state offenses, federal offenses. The NIBR standard equalizes that. So you can actually compare per capita 
statistics across the board. So it helps those administrators make informed decisions when when they're needing to fight crime, make a, a budgetary decisions. And Adam, how does that impact citizens? So someone like myself who's you know worried about just safe neighborhoods and safety. I've got children out driving around as well. What does that mean for the citizen? Yeah, so the the switch to incident-based reporting really allows more detailed information to be submitted so that residents and anybody living in those local areas can see what crimes and, and what statistics are actually happening. So it is definitely a good thing. And, and like Clark said, I've had conversations not really relevant to work, but just people looking to see where they want to move, you know, and, and looking at crime stats is one of those big, big things that people look at. So the fact that they can compare on us on a, a national standard level to see, you know, they're all submitting the same, the same type of, of stats, uh, just to see, you know, what areas are safer and, and what is happening out there. So it's definitely a good thing. So Adam, I'm curious, when someone changes from summary reporting to IBR, is there anything they should be aware of? Is there anything that kind of maybe gets out of whack? Yes, uh, that's a great question. One of the one of the biggest things that, that we see during this transition process is because they're going from a summary-based reporting system to a incident-based reporting system, the crimes that are being submitted and, and reported, there's there's this spike, we'll call it a crime spike, that uh, because all of a sudden they're reporting everything versus UCR, which is only some of those crimes that are being reported, there's this spike. So um, conversations that I've had with, with some of the administrative staff or the chiefs or even the city councils is all of a sudden they think there's this huge crime spike, right? And, and police departments are aren't doing their job or they're not protecting the, the community. And in actuality, it's just the fact that they switched to an incident-based reporting system and now all the crimes are being submitted and, and which in the long run is a good thing because we're seeing all the crimes that are being s- submitted, but residents or mayors or you know people that are really want their crime stats low, all of a sudden there's this huge spike and it, it freaks them out a little bit. So we do try to, to help our agencies get ahead of that and have that conversation like, hey, when we switch, you're going to see a crime spike. It, it's not that all of a sudden there's, you know, it's summer and people are running around the streets rampant. That's not, that's not what's happening, right? And the FBI actually does have a, a document that they put out on their website. And I think it's, it's titled something along the lines of effects of reporting neighbors. And it does go into the details of why they're going to see those spikes and, and what's actually happening. So I, I generally give that out to our agencies and the chiefs and, and have them read that so they understand what is going to happen. How do citizens get that information? Is that, do they go to a website to understand it? How, how does it actually funnel down to them? There, there are different methods. Aid, there's nothing preventing a, a law enforcement agency from putting it on their local website. But at minimum, those statistics are available through the FBI. So you can go to the FBI's website and pull up statistics for any state, any region, and do your own analytics to, for whatever it is that you're concerned about. That, that's all publicly available, and that's part of what this project is that the FBI is doing, is to get a standard that everybody follows that is, compares apples to apples across all entities across all of the nation and make it publicly available. 
And I'd love, Skip, to turn to you because you bring a, a more of a federal perspective, a little bit higher level perspective to this conversation. What, what are some of the things you're thinking about from a federal perspective? Well, I, I really kind of look at this as the availability for more detailed intelligence and information across the board. As Clark had stated, you know, the UCR was really about summarizing information and incidents, whereas the NIBRS really gives you more detailed information. And I think it helps in investigations across the, the whole landscape. As, as Adam has stated, it allows managers to be able to understand how to deploy resources, strategic policing. And I think at least for the, on the federal side, it allows most of these agencies to really get a hold of what's actually affecting some of the, the federal uh, facilities, the different foundations that are run under the federal mandate. And so, you know, we're, what I'm finding, at least on the federal side, is a lot of, a lot of agencies are welcoming the SNIBRS approach. And, and what I, I like to do, when I, when I say federal, I'm also including the military as well, because what they had was called DIBRS, which is Defense Incident-Based Reporting. And so many of them have really had to get a hard lesson in how important this information is. When I think about the importance of NIBRS, those are the key things that I look at because it's all about preventing harm to other people and, uh, and assisting investigations and identifying persons that may not be um, on the right side of the law. That's great. And I understand some of now some of the benefits of this change in mandate, but you, you three have been in law enforcement and I imagine that with a change like this, any change that can be mandates or, you know, changing your schedule personally, change is difficult, change is hard. What are some of the barriers these agencies are facing because of this mandate change? Clark, let's start with you. So that's where we really focus in INCO public safety and in the local small market to bring to the table a software that is intuitive that, that doesn't require a lot of uh, additional data entry for that, that officer. Uh, they don't necessarily have to have a lot of education in what NIBR uh, incident-based reporting is. Uh, they just do their job, and the software does all the heavy lifting for them. So the administrators within the department can then p- push that data on to the state and on to the FBI. So we try to take that data, make it easy to collect without the, the officers requiring re-education or anything. Change in the law enforcement community, any community, is sometimes can be hard, but we try to make the software intuitive enough to where we minimize the impact of change. And Adam, I'd love to hear from you, having been in the field so long and now being at Tyler and, and, and using technology. Talk a little bit about what that you know, means to you. Uh, yeah, the, I would add a little bit to what Clark said. We urge them to, to take the state-led training. So in all these transitions, there's usually a state-led training where they go over the basics. And I know the FBI does it as well. They, they hold some classes uh, where they're explaining what NIBRS is, what data elements are required. And and there's a lot, don't get me wrong. There's a lot. And I don't think it's overwhelming at times, just the amount of information, the difference between collecting UCR and IBR, the amount, the additional amount of data elements that they have to collect. And when I say data elements, it's basically the fields, right? When you look at a, a case report, the fields that they have to input. 
data into. So we do urge our our agencies to go through that training and it's usually the records personnel that do that because they're the ones that end up with those case reports and they're the ones that are going to be clearing the you'll hear me refer to edits so it's it's if something is if they had this offense on a case report they need x y and z filled out and if they don't have x filled out they're going to get an edit saying go fill x out so we do our best to, to help them with that and when that edit pops up, they can click on it and it'll, it'll take them to where that field is, you know, to try to direct them to that. So we do try to help them with that. But with that being said, obviously, if they don't fill out all that data, the software is not going to fill it out for them. So we, we do try to handhold them a little bit through our software, but they do need to understand those data elements and why they, why they need to fill those out. I know a lot of our agencies, they've got tightened resources. And I know in law enforcement, time is of the essence. Clark, I'll start with you. How, how, does, how does technology and software help with that? So that's where our software steps in. And we're doing all of the requirements are built into the logic of the software. So that officer who may not be educated in what all of the reporting requirements are, And I'll just use an example of, say, a theft. There are certain data elements which are required for a theft, but the officer doesn't necessarily have to know what those are. They choose, say, the offense of theft, and the system is going to say, well, because you're going to charge or have an offense of theft, you're now required to have these data elements completed before your report is satisfactory for state reporting. So the officer, of course, through time will learn what those are and and it will become easier, but we try to have the software designed in a fashion that you don't have to be an IBR expert, incident-based reporting expert. All you need to know is the offense and so on. So it really guides the user through the, the, the process of being able to, to complete that report. And Skip, is that true also at the federal level as well? Oh, oh absolutely. I, I, and I love the way that Clark had uh, alluded to that, is that our systems are configurable and they automate the workflow so that each data element that's uh, compared to whatever NIBRS fields have to be filled out is already set up as a business rule. So it, it makes it so easy for the operator to go in, put the information in, and it kind of guides them to what the next steps are. That way, they can get their reporting completed, go back out, and uh, keep the community safe. Awesome. Well, it sounds like the technology and the software makes it easier, kind of guides the officers. But at the end of the day, someone like myself, a citizen of a, of a, a community, you know, we're really worried about you know, how does this make it the community safer? So Clark, I'll start with you. At the end of the day, how, how does it do that? It gives the department uh, of the local, the, the local law enforcement the ability to see statistically what is going on and combat crime in their locale, um, that local agency. But from a, a broader standpoint, uh, they, uh, a small agency may want to also look at a neighboring agency to see how crime over there compares to them and how they can have focused enforcement and compare those offenses with what's going on at the neighboring city 
the neighboring county or even the region in which they're working. So it, it allows administrators to, to guide their departments to have better enforcement and focused enforcement towards certain types of crime that they're trying to combat in their locale. And that about, what about, yeah. does that resonate with your area as well? Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. I think, you know, the, the fact that they're getting real detailed with their su- submissions, I've talked to a lot of agencies that they call them hotspots. So they'll, they'll pull up like crime maps and, and look at hotspots for certain crimes and they can be real strategic with how they're going to enforce and try to combat some of those, those crimes to try to either be proactive or, you know, just, just getting officers in that area to try to prevent crime before it even happens. So the fact that they can, they can get real granular with, with what they're seeing, like I said, they can, they can get real strategic on, on how they're going to enforce uh, crime in those areas. And what about for you, Skip? Yeah, I, and I agree with both of my colleagues. I think that that information helps managers really deploy resources in the right places. For the federal side of the house, most of the law enforcement features deal with force protection, you know, being able to guard facilities, making facilities safe for the federal employees coming in. So I think having that information makes the employees feel safe because they know that the law enforcement officials are on top of things. They have the right number of uh, staff members at various places. Their vehicles that they leave behind for every day when they're going to work are safe. And so again, it's really all about providing that protective ring around the, the assets, a community for state and local and facilities and areas on the federal side of the house. So in addition to what Skip just said, analytics today drives every business. It drives sports industry, it drives economics, it drives everything. And law enforcement to keep up with the changes in, in um, society and in their communities have to leverage these analytics, these statistics to be able to keep up with the changes and as fast as they're changing in, in, their, in their area. And so being able to leverage the, this reporting method that has been uh, come up with uh, by, the, by the FBI and leverage those analytics to compare agency to agency, loc- location and offense and so forth, that is how the different ent- law enforcement entities are able to focus in, and provide a safer community or environment for citizens, employees, or any other consumer that needs to, to be safer in how to, to make that better. And if I'm an agency now, I'm, I'm listening to this. I know the mandate's in place. I need to, I need to do something with that. I've, I like what I'm hearing. Is there something that, that an agency can do now to prepare or meet the mandate that, that they have in their area? Well, on, on the federal side of the house, I think that IT managers, uh, law enforcement managers really need to start researching companies that are going to provide them with solutions that are NIBRS compliant, that are configurable, and that they truly meet the needs of the modern day law enforcement officer. I think if they can start doing that, start doing the research and really take a good look at those solutions that are out there, they'll be helping out not only their staff, 
but they'd be helping out the people that they, they protect on a daily basis. So to add what Skip was saying, the income public safety is not new to NIBR reporting. NIBR reporting has been around for quite some time, and our product has had the capability to do NIBRs or UCR for uh, since the mid 20s. Uh, so we have had clients that have been using incident-based reporting um, for quite some time. So this isn't new to us, but it is new to the market of law enforcement. And that's what all of our products bring to the table is experience in NIBRs and being able to assist our clients with producing accurate reporting to the state, which is required. And this isn't new to us. This is something that all of our products have been doing for quite some time, but it's new to them and it's different. And having that fear of change, we're able to bring a product across the board, regardless of the size, um, that is intuitive to use, eases that transition through to the, the new incident-based reporting method. Right, and to, to add, if I, if I may, uh, you know, and obviously the goal for, I think, all of our software is, the goal of software is to make the jobs easier for the officers, right? I mean, we've had conversations, just the amount of time that officers and record staff are spending on, on reports. Uh, you know, the ultimate goal of the software is, is to limit the time spent in the office or at the department filling out reports so that the officers can be in the field protecting the citizens and, and you know, providing a, a safer community. So that's the ultimate goal at the end of the day is, is to limit that time spent you know, on the computer, filling out reports, doing all this stuff. So I just wanted to add that as well. So Clark, any specific examples of where maybe an agency that was using more of a manual process went to automation and, and it saved time or money? So we did have a, a client a couple of years ago that needed to be able to report their NIBR reporting, and they were completely on paper, even in the post-2010 time. And this agency had more than 500 officers that needed to be able to do that. And we were able to bring them a solution that um, with that size of department, we're able to put this pr our product out. The officers were able to do the exact same reporting, but instead of doing it on paper, they were able to put it directly in the system, in the field, in the unit, without doing it on paper, and without that having to go to their local supervisor, without that having to go to their commander, then to go to their precinct commander, then to go to records, to then be available for an investigator to investigate, which at this particular agency was on average about seven days, to um, then after they went live and, and got through their learning curve period, their learning period, were able to get reports done in some cases, depending on narrative size and so forth. It could go through the entire approval process and be potentially available to a citizen to get a copy in 30 minutes to an hour. So having the expedience of that data to get in the system, not asking the officer to collect any more information than they already were in the first place, 
but it was not paper-based. It was digitally entered and it ex expedited the data getting through the system. They were able and still are able to accurately provide uh, NIBR statistics and make the data available to all the officers in virtually instantly uh, because they're doing field reporting with that. And a residual effect that had happened with this particular client because they went to a less paper system, they were instantly, I say instantly, their first year, they were able to recognize a quarter of a million dollar savings in paper consumables, copiers, ink, and all of that just because they went to a, a more digital process. There was always going to be paper, but instead of it being 100% paper-based, all of these successes took place for this client, and they had more accurate statistics on top of that. Skip, any success stories in the federal space? Well, yeah, actually, one of the military branches, uh, we've supported uh, one of their implementations to be, I think they're one of the only NIBRS reporting units with roughly 30,000 officers around the world are now successfully reporting DIBRS information to the FBI. And it's thanks to a collective effort with Tyler Federal. And it's been a great opportunity supporting them. And I'm, I'm looking forward to helping the other DOD branches as well. And Adam, I'll turn to you. I know you're working across the country. Any statistics you can share with us? Yeah, we've been transitioning agencies for the past several years, and, and I think Clark talked about it earlier. You know, IBR is not new. It's not new to us. We've we've had uh, an IBR solution in, in a lot of states for many years. And some states even were collecting both UCR and IBR for several years uh, before the mandate. So agencies had that choice on what they wanted to submit. And I believe at this point, we have 46 states that we have an IBR solution in. So we've, we've been transitioning agencies for, for several years. Uh, so we've been very successful at it and we'll continue to to transition the, the last remaining states, the man, the FBI's mandate is is passed, but we're we're still working to transition those agencies, and we'll we'll continue to do that until we have uh, everybody on on IBR. Fellows, this has been great. Lots of information helped me understand what this mandate means. If someone had more questions or wanted to get in touch with each of you, I'll start with you, Clark. What's the best way for them to do that? The absolute best way to get a hold of me is uh, by way of email. My email address is Clark, C-L-A-R-K dot Nethers, N-E-T-H-E-R-S at Tyler Tech, T-Y-L-E-R-T-E-C-H dot com. Awesome. And Adam, what about you? I won't spell everything out, but I'll spell my name out. So it'd be Adam... <laughs> Common spelling dot Vobola, B-O-B-O-L-A at TylerTech.com. Awesome. And Skip, what about you? Uh, they can reach me at Skip, common spelling dot Bland, that's B-L-A-N-D at TylerTech.com. So this is the first time we've had three people on at the same time. I think we figured it out. So really appreciate all of your expertise and for sharing this information. Really appreciate you being on. No, thank thank you. you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you yep. for having us. Well, I think we figured it out. Three guests at one time. Such great information. I learned a ton. Hope you did as well. 
You know, the Tyler Tech Podcast, we launch a new episode every other Monday. So we would love for you to subscribe, give us a review, give us some feedback. We want to make sure that we are talking about the topics in the public sector and school space that are relevant and interesting to you. So let us know what those things are. My name is Jeff Harrell. I'm the Director of Content Marketing for Tyler Technologies. I really appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 